in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to ridingdancedown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to this episode, episode 603 of the Ron and Don Show on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, coming up, we're going to talk about why uh, Tony the Tiger, that's right, his, his breakfast cereal is not, well, that's not going anywhere, but this may be the end of Tony the Tiger as we know it. Also, 25 things that frugal people do, you might want to consider doing so you can save up that money. So you call us and we can invest in some real estate together. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. This is a very interesting read when it comes to Elon Musk, right? And you think about what happened the other night in the election. Donald Trump gets kicked off of Twitter. Elon Musk takes over Twitter, allows... Donald Trump to go back on. Donald Trump decides to not go back on, but he decides to go back on Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson gets kicked off of Fox. Fox is struggling right now at the ratings. In fact, their ratings are right now around MSNBC and CNN. The, the ratings have completely crashed. And so Fox is trying to make up with the president, President Trump. They have sent a lot of their uh, hosts to go and have lunch with him, to eat with him, play golf with him. They begged him to come and, and, and jump on TV. And he's like, you know what? I don't need TV. I got Tucker Carlson over here. I got Elon Musk that's going to let us on the new Twitter, which is now called X. And what I'm going to do is some counter-programming. And it sounds like this counter-programming may have actually gone better and more people tuned into the counter-programming than they did to the actual debate on Fox. And Donald Trump is feeling like, not only am I going to hurt those candidates on that stage, I'm going to hurt Fox News who hurt me, and then the next day when I turn myself into jail, I'm going to use that as a fundraiser. So think of it, on paper, that doesn't look like a, a good week for Donald Trump because of Elon Musk. It's turning out to be a great week for him. So let's now pivot and talk about Elon Musk a little bit because, Ron, what's really interesting about him, even if you don't agree with all his thoughts, even politically, uh, he is a modern-day Thomas Edison. He is a modern-day Benjamin Franklin. And in some ways, he's a modern-day Socrates. Uh, It is unbelievable the, the, the capacity that he has to make governments lean on him and rely on him. So much so that uh, we just got done reading an article that talks about Elon Musk politically having a place at the table and whether you're a Democrat or Republican or an independent, you have to respect that. In some cases, you might be forced to embrace it. Right? Yeah, and I just want to give kudos real quick to Ronan Farrow that wrote this article. He, he has turned out to be one of the best journalists and, and researchers uh, of the modern era. He, he put together an incredible article. And the thrust of the article is basically this, that there are massive gaps 
in the United States government capacity that used to be dominated by the government, i.e. space, satellites, communication, these sort of things, that Elon Musk saw the the tide that was happening in terms of the political winds and how privatization uh, was taking over. And he stepped into that. The other one is the uh, electric charging stations. So he stepped in, invested, took huge gambles. He, like if one of these things did not go his way, like SpaceX, he could have lost his entire fortune up to that point. So he made giant gambles. They've all paid off so far, except for Twitter slash X. Uh, and so the, uh, the thrust of this article is basically... We're now, as the United States, in a position where if Elon Musk decided, let's say the the big example he brought up, if Elon Musk decided that he all of a sudden was no longer in favor of uh, the United States supporting the, the Ukrainians, he could literally turn off the satellites that provide the communication for the Ukrainian military. Well, he did. And he, he did that at one time. He did a geo-fencing yeah. uh, one time. But for most, the most part, he has left it on. Uh, and at one point, he told the U.S. ambassador, I just had a call with Vladimir Putin. Like, that's the kind of circles that Elon Musk runs in. He can call Putin. Um, he, he talks to President Xi in China. And they're producing a lot of Teslas in China. And so Xi can call Elon and say, hey, I don't like that you have satellites on supporting the Ukrainians. Starlink, yeah. And so he, he's become almost a country unto himself or a political power unto himself. And the United States is sitting there going, we don't have a satellite network that's up. We don't have uh, electric power station. There was a there was a, a battle, and this is seems minor, but it's major. There was an initiative a while back because you remember Ford introduced its its electric truck, and the Biden administration had this huge infrastructure package. You remember that passed, and so the initial rollout was we're going to make a nationwide charging infrastructure for the United States because the trend is towards electric vehicles and, you know, curbing greenhouse gases. And so they said, we're going to make a universal charging input, like a plug in the wall. You know, it's going to be two prong or three prong. It's going to be universal across the board. Elon Musk stepped in and said, not so fast. I've already got the, the, the infrastructure built up. Tell you what we'll do. I will lease this to the United States government you believe the Tesla plug on there and and the United States balked. They said, uh, you make a good point, Elon. Okay. We will. So now Ford and Volvo and all these other companies, they have to use Elon's plug. They have to go his route. And so if he decides these are, these are privately owned things, he could just say, yeah, you know what? I don't like Volvo. When a Volvo plugs in and, and my, my machine reads the computer that this is a Volvo model, maybe I don't want to give electricity to Volvo. <laughs> maybe I got into a spat with Ford. <laughs> and so where a Tesla will charge up in yeah. 15 minutes, the Ford's going to take four hours. And so what are you going to do? What are you going to do, Ford? 
Are you going to build a second charging infrastructure next to my charging infrastructure? And so he has these instances where he's shown this erratic behavior and becoming more and more political. And and there's a theory that it's because he's he's been taking ketamine as a recreational therapeutic. And he believes he's self-diagnosed the amount of ketamine that he needs. And um, it's very worrisome to like the Tesla board, the uh, SpaceX board of how much ketamine he is using to moderate what he he's also self-diagnosed himself with as with Asperger's high functioning Asperger's. And so it's in one of the side effects. If you abuse ketamine is self grandiosity, euphoria, euphoria, yeah. these huge mood swings. If you're bipolar at all, you're really going to be bipolar. We've seen some of the evidence yeah. of that with Elon Musk. So it's not beyond because he's, he's proven it. He can turn off a satellite. He could change the code, uh, in his car. Um, he, he's combative and, and very impulsive. He reminds me of Henry Ford. When you think about Henry Ford at the time of world war two, and one of the reasons why they said, well, Henry Ford's a communist, it's because Henry Ford was building the war machine in Germany, but he was also building the war machine that would oppose Germany and Great Britain and his factories there. And then he also was building the war machine here when they had to convert uh, specifically Detroit, all those factories into B-29 bombers because the president called him and Churchill called him. They said, we need bombers, we need bombers, we need bombers, we need bombers. They're like, don't we need a better Sherman tank? No, we don't have time for a better Sherman tank. We just need lots of Sherman tanks. We need more tanks than Panzers, and then I need a, bom- a bomber an hour, a bomb an hour. And so it was actually Henry's son, uh, Etzel Ford, that made that happen. Uh, because Henry Ford was older at that time. He was sidelined, and a lot of people felt like they had dementia. He, 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 just the point being the Ford Motor Company at that time had such uh, a tremendous impact on the world economy and world governments and even World War II because of the technology that Ford possessed that the rest of the world did not, because a lot of a lot of times we look at World War II and we think it was all mechanized. It wasn't. There were a lot of countries that were still using horses. So I, I see I see a lot of, and Henry Ford can be very erratic. I see I see a lot of Elon Musk, and I see similarities between the two for sure. Uh, some somewhat, I agree with you. I, it's just this is a fascinating article. Seek it out. It's by Ronan Farrow. It's about Elon Musk. He goes into much more detail than we can here on the podcast. But the United States government. Uh, there are high-ranking officials that are like, how do we get out of from under the thumb of Elon Musk? This is uncomfortable for me to treat this guy like a head of state because we need him uh, and we need the stuff that he's built uh, to help with our interests. Yeah, more coming up in a minute, you guys. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Happy summer. Ron and Don here for Les Schwab. It is the summer driving season, and they have a huge sale coming up. They have this every summer. But they're doing something I haven't seen them do ever. This is pretty cool if you want to drive into a Les Schwab and boom, immediately put $200 in your pocket. Yeah, right now on the summer sale, you get a prepaid MasterCard valued at up to $200 when you purchase a set of four qualifying tires. You can save an additional $50 when you purchase the tires with your Les Schwab account. Sale ends on July 8th. All right, so Les Schwab, schedule that appointment right now at leschwab.com or when you see one of the 84 locations, you can just drive in and, and take a look at that time. You can stop 
by any location. Tell them Ron and Don sent you. That's $200 with four select tires. Les Schwab, they've been doing the right thing since 1952. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's Don. Now listen to me. I had a neighbor walk up the street and say to me the other day, hey, we're interested in having you sell our home, but it seems like this is a bad time to sell a home, and we need the money from our home to leave Queen Anne, Washington, and we're going to Mexico, and we're taking our dog that we found in Mexico, Poncho, we're taking him back home, and that's where we're going to live from now on. What's crazy is... The gentleman that owns that house used to own the house that I'm sitting in. They sold me this house, right? Anyway, I had some good news for them, and I had to tell them, hey, it's the summer months. You want to sell in the fall? The market is actually very good right now for sellers. But your home must be dialed in, and Ron, you must do your work in this marketplace right now. And if you do sellers, you will be rewarded, right? Yeah, and it all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. No obligation. It's free of charge. It's on Zoom. It's about half an hour. Email me directly, ron at ronandon.com or go to the website, ronandonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. We talk a lot about investing in real estate. Think about this. Even if you only invest in one piece of real estate and you do that now, or you help your kids invest in a piece of real estate now, when you look at the trajectory of where this market is going to be in the Pacific Northwest over the next 10, 15, 20 years, just by owning that piece of real estate and managing that piece of real estate, it's probably not going to make you a multimillionaire, but it's going to make you a millionaire by buying a house, especially if you know to do that when you're in your 20s and 30s. Like my nephew, he's a lineman for the county. Uh, in fact, I think he's heading over to Maui to do some line work over there. Uh, he bought his first house. He's 24 years old. Good and for him. And I'm like, Jake, I am so proud of you. You can and, barely buy a stereo at 24. <laughs> yeah, and the cool thing is he's frugal. He lives below his means. He didn't go to college. He just went to trade school. And his trade school was paid for by the company that he works for now. And they'll continue to pay for him to go to school. So he didn't go to school and rack up, you know, 150, 200, 250, 300,000 dollars in bills. I, I'm also just, I, I think of some of my friends that are in their forties and fifties and they went to college in their twenties and they're still paying off, uh, some of that college debt, which is really incredible to me. Anyway, let's talk about this being frugal. Yeah. I was reading an article on Reddit talks about the 25 things, 25 top things that people do. Uh, that are frugal. That doesn't mean you're cheap, right? It means you're frugal. Uh, your mom's kind of frugal, right? We, we talked about that. And again, it doesn't mean cheap. It just means that you're thoughtful. You've worked hard for your money. Uh, and you're thoughtful about not only what you're going to do with that money, but how you're going to invest that money as well, right? Yeah, and I, a lot of that rubbed off on me. The, the problem I have, I, I like these lists, but some of them get a little ridiculous in my mind. Uh, and, and they should break it down into more concepts. Like, for instance, everyone says, oh, never buy a new car. It's like, oh, it depends. It depends on what type of new car you buy and what you're going to use that new car and how long you're going to have that new car, for instance. If you can afford to buy a new car, um, you know, the, I think it's okay to buy a new car. But I get the, the, the underlying theory is, um, know the difference between an appreciating asset and a depreciating asset. And if you acknowledge that I need a car, 
I, I know it's a depreciating asset, but I have this warranty, like the warranty of my car that I bought new is incredible. And so that overcomes in my mind, the depreciation. Yeah, yeah. So I, I give it, so I'm in line at that metropolitan market the other day and, uh, and my friend Bobby is there and I'm checking out with Bobby and Bobby says, Hey, I'm pretty excited. I just bought a Jeep. And I'm like, okay, let's hear about the Jeep and the renegade Jeep and the four doors and all the cool things I'm going to do with the Jeep. So then I see Bobby again and Bobby's like, Hey, did you see the Jeep outside? And I'm like, yeah, that's really cool. Uh, guess what? What? I'm, I'm putting new tires on it and I'm going to jack it up. I'm like, that's so cool. When I was your age, I used to, uh, I did the same thing to my Jeep. Uh, but the difference is I actually got under the truck and put, I jacked it up myself. I took out the jacks and, 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 and built it. And Bobby was paying someone else to do that. So then I asked Bobby, I said, man, that's so cool that you've come into some money where you could go out and you can buy this car. I said, what are your, what are your payments? Uh, the payments are about a thousand dollars a month. Mm -hmm. Bobby is working as a, as a, as a cashier and then works at at a cashier at a building supply store as well. And, and, and I said, well, what kind of money have you set aside to buy, to buy, something that I'll appreciate because you bought a assets that's depreciating and we don't really see that as an asset. Right. And, and does the bank own the asset or do you? So we kind of talked through that. And then, and then, and then we talked about what if we would have taken, and I try to say this in a way where it's not like, Hey, you dumb, mm, why'd you go out and buy a brand new Jeep? And now you're going to have to feed that thing. And you have, he, he, he now does not have the ability to save any money to buy an appreciating asset like a home or a condo or a trailer or a tiny home or whatever it is. And, and so after the, we had this conversation, he, he was like, I wish we would have had this conversation uh, before I actually went out and bought that Jeep. And I said, well, don't feel dumb about it. Don't feel stupid. I said, but just make sure if you're, you, you went out and got these big tires and you jacked it up, and if you're going to take that thing off-road, then take it off-road and, and have fun and have a great life and have a good time with it. But what it did is it allowed us to have that conversation about something that's an asset and something that's a liability, right? And the way that our economy is built, sometimes when you look at the things that people do in order to be frugal, I think of my friend Joe, who's a CPA, and he and his wife have done very well for himself. But a lot of times when I get on a plane with him, he sits in the back of the plane and coach because that's kind of what frugal people do. And, and as far as sitting up in first class, he'll, he'll use his point sometimes to let other people and treat them and let them sit up in first class. But it's like his mentality is, Hey, I'm, I'm still out there. I'm in the journey. I'm in the fight. And even when I met him, he was driving an old Toyota van that he had been driving, I think, for 20 years. And you're like, how are you so well off financially on all these properties and you drive around an old Toyota van? Because buying a truck and buying a new truck for him at that time, he knew that that would be a liability. And he always said to himself, hey, if I get a little pot of money, is it that, that I could go out and buy a new truck with it, or that could be another down payment on another piece of real estate. So, so there is a difference. And I think it's important. And like my son understands that concept because I've taught that concept to him about the difference of taking money 
and going out and buying things that you're now financially connected to and connected with a bank and an institution. And now, I mean, some of these loans go seven and eight years, right? Some of these people that are living the van life, you can get a 10-year loan on some of the vans that people are buying. I think go, out, go out and buy a new F1. I was out looking at a to buy a, a new F-150 Lightning pickup truck. If it's bare bones is one thing, but if you want a, a decent truck, brand new and out of the box now, is $100,000. I have an eight-year-old forerunner that is sitting in my driveway, and I just told myself the other day, I'd really like to buy that Lightning, but maybe I'll get my son's 13. Maybe I'll just drive this thing until he's 18, and then that's his rig, and then maybe at that time I'll buy a new car. But but trying thinking about investing $100,000 in a truck is – I can afford it, but it's a little nutty to me. So yeah, and so the thing with this uh, this article on these the frugality stuff, I, I like the balance of basically saying, don't be cheap. So if you have a family outing or your something important has happened, that that's a that's an occasion where you could you know do things and spend some things the right way. I always view it as like. I don't need, you know, top of the line toilet paper. Like when you're at the store, like I had to do this the other day, it's like, wow, like the, the price difference between Charmin and the Fred Meyer brand toilet paper is like double. Like why would people for that task need the top of the line? You know what I'm saying? So like there are things where there are people that have a mentality of like they just want top of the line across everything, whether it's toilet paper or cars or clothing or any sort of item. And there's no variance in knowing these are the things that you are frugal about and these are the things that uh, hold their value or that I can purchase yeah. more. So, so a couple more of these that I actually think are really good. One is so before you go out and buy that new Renegade, can I afford it? Well, just because you can afford it? And do you want to be making payments on that five, six, seven, eight years? Because if you took that same money and you invested in a piece of real estate, I know that that piece of real estate five, six, seven years from now is going to be worth a lot more money and you'll be able to buy 10 renegades. <laughs> so that, that, that's how that works. What about this DIY? Uh, I used to be intimidated by DIY a little bit, but in owning rentals and things breaking all the time, I keep tools in my truck. I keep tools here at the house. Uh, you can learn anything. You can learn anything on YouTube. You can. And I may not do something as fast as someone else does it, but I have saved tens of thousands of dollars just this summer and the things that I've been willing to go out and fix. And that's tens of thousands of dollars that I didn't have to spend on a plumber or electrician or something else. And 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 when it, when you do need to spend money on one of those trades... Uh, then spend money on one of those trades. There's certain things that you shouldn't DIY. You've become a great DIYer. And like a lot of the stuff you do doesn't look DIY. Your tiny house, it's a lot of DIY up there. How much money do you think you have saved over the years by becoming a guy that has taught himself to work with tools and work with your hands? I'm really Man. proud of you for doing that, by the way. You're it's great. It's got to be tens of thousands of dollars. Like, yeah. like, for instance, I did my electrical panel um, I didn't wire the electrical panel, but I built everything up to where it could be wired and I got the mains hooked up. So had I hired an electrician to do that part, that would have been, I mean, you probably know better than me, at least five grand, at least five grand to have an electrician come out and install from the ground up 
um, a structure to have a 220 out in a remote location yeah. maybe maybe more maybe, maybe more s- maybe seven eight grand and so like building just that structure getting the wire through the trench and the lugs in not connected to the power yet yeah like stuff like that it's like like you said i watched a lot of videos I made a couple of mistakes. The inspector called out a few things. I had to make some changes, but it was close. I got close. Yeah. And then the professional came in and helped me wire it up. Yeah. Because uh, I'm not, that's beyond my scope. So I knew that. But like doing my own plumbing and all that stuff out there, it, it's, it, it's likely to break at some point, but maybe it won't. Yeah. <laughs> like I just figured it out. Yeah. I was talking to, I did have to have a plumber come out the other day and, and, and turbo a line. And we were talking about this line, and he said, how do you know so much about it? And I said, I know so much about it because I dug the old line out and, and, and was, very much, was, was there when the, the new plumber was putting the line in and then pushed all the dirt on top of the new line and then planted grass and flowers and all that stuff above it. So on some of it, even if you can't do all of it, like in that situation – I'm not going to put in the new line, but I could take it. I could, I could dig the utility trench. I could dig out the old line, all that old concrete. I could pull that out, take that to the dump and then set it up. So the plumber could come in, do what he's going to do and then put dirt on top. So, so when you DIY stuff, there, there's always an opportunity for you to get in there and, uh, and do a little more. This this last one I really like, and it just talks about the people that you hang out with. So if you spend most of your time, and we've all heard this, uh, look at your the top four or five friendships in your life, and chances are, if you hang out with four or five millionaires, at some point, you may end up becoming a millionaire. If you hang out with four or five people that really believe in social justice, well, chances are you're going to learn a lot about social justice, and you're going to be a part, probably, of helping people with social justice. You hang out with five people to go to Bourbon Street every weekend, you're going to end up on the gutter in Bourbon Street. There you go. And we will see you on the other side of this. Hey, it's Ron. I'm here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.Loans. And Mitch, we've seen interest rates rise rapidly here uh, over the past year, 18 months. In the industry, what are you thinking is going to happen going forward? So they're still projecting rates are going to drop here near the end of the summer, definitely within the next year. And that means that now is the time to buy. So interest rates are going to drop. As we've said, we will help with the refinance on the back end. But rates dropping could mean a big influx in demand. Now, right now, there's a lack of supply, a lack of inventory because people aren't willing to sell and get out of their low rates. If you buy now, you can beat the rush later. Okay, and also then when the rates do drop, we can replace that rate with the new one. We sure can. Rate and replace. All right, he's Mitch at Mitch.Loans. You can buy now, replace the rate later when it drops, and Mitch take care of your loan fees. It's Mitch.Loans. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. How much cereal uh, did you eat growing up? What did you eat? How did you eat it? And let's not forget, before there was cable, there were three channels... A lot of times you get home from school, maybe you're watching. Then you were still watching reruns of Gilligan's Island and Leave it to Beaver. Uh, and then your dad would come home and have a few beers. And the next thing you know, John Chancellor is is sharing the evening news. No, next thing I know, we were watching Benny Hill. <laughs> 
<laughs> what about cereal though? Because I remember a lot of times coming home from from football practice, I would mix five. I would miss the five o'clock dinner. Uh, there there were no leftovers in my house. Nothing was ever left over, and so a lot of times it would just become a mixing bowl. Uh, today I use a mixing bowl. In fact, I used one right before you got here and I made a big spinach salad with chicken. Then it would just be lots and lots and lots of cereal with home milk and a spoon. I've consumed we had all the cereal, lots of cereal over the years. How about you? I, absolutely. At least to love all that stuff. This story that you sent me though is very interesting. So in Mexico, they have passed a regulation similar to what we would have on a pack of cigarettes where there's a warning and a graphic uh, on the packaging. They're doing that for foods that have an abnormally high amount of sugar or added fats to them. And it's a, it's a stop sign shaped graphic. And they said for kids cereals, you cannot have mascots on there. So Toucan Sam is out. Tony the Tiger is out. Count Chocula out. Tricks and, for kids. And tricks the rabbit is out. Yeah. And in the place of those rabbits will be this stop sign that just says, Hey, there is a ton of sugar in this food, uh, a ton. It is very, uh, it is not nutrient dense. It is junk food dense. And so what they're, the, the government of Mexico is trying to say is like, we have an obesity epidemic probably on par with or even greater in some pockets than the United States. And to blame on a lot of that is, is this sort of marketing toward children. You get hooked on sugar and these uh, carbohydrates and you just grow up. That becomes what your body is used to and that's what you crave and you eat and you get on that hamster wheel. And so Kellogg's is pushing back and trying to find all these loopholes to like because they, they know this is they, they know this is this, coming to the United States. This is coming to the states as well. And, yeah. and so I guess the philosophical question is, uh, you know, as a father of a of a child um, and someone that grew up in this previous era, are, are you down with this? Do you want to say, hey, let's force food manufacturers to not just chase the bottom line and throw the cheapest ingredient in there and the most fat and the most sugar and the most salt, but provide like actually do what your job is, yeah. which is to new give nutrients to people. Yeah. So, so, you know, and you've taught me better than anyone, fat shaming, food shaming, uh, food is good. Food is bad. That doesn't get you anywhere with anyone. And so my, my son and I have been exercising. We kind of made a commitment about seven months ago to exercise, pay more attention to what we were eating and putting in our bodies. And so I knew that this summer he was going away for quite some time with some other family members. And I know these family members love, love, love to bake. And they love, love, love to eat sugar and sugary cereals. And they don't move. And they always intend to go to the beach, but they never quite get there and they're going to ride. So I knew, so it was a situation where he's going to go there and there's going to be a lot of sitting and there's going to be baking and there's going to be a lot of sugar. How about ice cream? It'd be everything. Yeah. And, 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 and so we started talking about cereal the other day before, and I said, did you, I said, have you noticed why we, we stopped eating cereal in the morning? And I, and I work really hard to, to, I work really hard. That's not, I, I don't work really hard. That's not true. I do make him, I do try to make him a great breakfast every morning that is healthy and it tastes good. I don't know if that's working really hard. <laughs> You're trying to be mindful of a good breakfast on the table. Yeah. So anyway, I told him, I said, Hey, and I'd share this article with him. And I said, did you know when you sit down and you eat a bowl of cereal, 
that's about 36 grams of sugar. And he, and, and he said, is that a lot? And I said, well, that's about how many grams of sugar the United States governing body that looks at sugar says that we should put in our bodies every day. So I said, and if you have a couple bowls of that, you know, you could be up 40, 50. You, 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 you could be up a whole Frappuccino. We, we, we start doing the numbers. And then we start talking about the difference in the way that we feel after we eat lots of sugar and after we eat other things. So we, we've been thinking of having conversations about that. So he's getting ready. So we talked about that. Didn't shame him. And I said, hey, when you go on this trip, just remember, you can eat anything you want. You're a kid. Just, you know, but keep moving. Do some of the things that we talked about. And, and, and don't forget, when, you, when you're putting a lot of sugar in your tank, and we talk about if you're putting things in, what comes out, and he's starting to see himself as more of an athlete now. So, so we went to the store, and I said, hey, grab whatever you want for the trip. And we walked down the candy aisle, and, and he, he, didn't, he didn't want any, any, any candy for the trip. And I said, why is that? And he goes, you know, I just I don't really see myself as a sugar guy right now. And he still got some popcorn. He got some chips. He got some beef jerky. And, and, and so then he went on this trip and he just, he talked to his family members and just said, Hey, you know, I kind of, this, I usually have fruit in the morning and I usually have like a scrambled egg in the morning. You guys need to work harder on your breakfast. (laughs) My dad works really hard and you guys are slacking. But, but I think if I would have done the thing where, Hey, cereal is bad. We can't have cereal. Hey, candy's bad. No candy. Hey, hey, chips are bad. Too much salt. Hey, processed food is it. I think if what I've done that, I don't know that it would have had the impact, but now that he's educated about it, now he can make a decision of, of when he wants a sugary cereal well, and when he does. The key to that, which no one ever taught me as a kid, and I'm trying to remind myself every day, is how do you feel when yeah. you have the, the spinach salad with chicken on it? How do you feel? Like, how's your energy level that afternoon? Does it peak and go up and down? How does it feel when you eat so much that you you are bloated and like the next morning you're going to the bathroom six times you know what i mean how do you feel pay attention to that and and like no one taught us that or didn't teach me that when i was a kid so i think that's great i, I hope this comes to the united states um and i hope that we I, every every time I, I travel somewhere into a culture that really values food i'm just always reminded it's like yeah the portion isn't as big but the food is amazing i'm not going to get uh, a 48 ounce bowl of pasta i'm going to get a 10 ounce bowl of pasta but it's going to be the best pasta i've ever had and uh and just they take food seriously not from how cheap they can make it but how good they can make it and it always goes why can't we do that in the united states yeah. hey you guys thanks for listening to this episode of the ron and don show thanks for making us your friends your broadcasters and your real estate agents if you need us we do something called a ron and don yeah, it's online. It's about a 30, 45 minute Zoom call. And we want to listen to you, hear what your goals are. Uh, we have a first time home buyer that we met on Zoom a couple weeks ago. Uh, he's now pre approved for his first loan. And, you know, we're going to start the search process here soon. So that's the sort of journey we're going to go on. If you're a seller, if you have a family member transitioning into long-term care, or maybe even a family member that's passed away and there's a piece of real estate behind, uh, we can help you out with those situations as well. Ron at ronandon.com or ronandonsitdown.com. Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Ron and Don Show all day on the Ron and Don Radio Network.
Now keep your head up and your shoulders back. And keep blowing that trumpet, and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron Don Radio Network.